KMTT Tet Vav Tammuz. Today is Tuesday, 15th day of Tammuz. And today's Shiur is by Rav Moshe Taragin in the Essentials of Avodat Hashem. Afterwards, I'll be back with the daily Midrash. Having addressed some of the more personal or individual charges of Avodat Hashem, Torah and Tefillah, Chassid and character calibration, meet the Benonis, Avas Hashem, and Yiras Hashem, the twin emotions which drive the individual's relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Having described these elements of Avodas Hashem, I would like to turn attention and focus on some of the more national and historical responsibilities of Frumkite of religious consciousness. Parshas Vaira begins with a seemingly redundant introduction. Hashem had already revealed himself to Moshe in a very extensive theological representation, Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh, describing both to Moshe and equipping Moshe with the capacity to describe this God, this presence, which perhaps had been slightly forgotten or had been beaten out of the Jews because of slavery and bondage. He instructs him to describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his presence to Paro. Paro, of course, initially is um, very suspicious. Mi Hashem Asher Eshma Bekolo. And Moshe fails to convince Paro to release the people. Parshas Ve'era describes Moshe's resurgence, his second attempt to emancipate Amisra. But it begins, the third Pasuk begins, the Parshas Ve'era, Perak Vav and Shemos, with a seemingly um, either redundant or not merely redundant, but certainly questionable presentation of Hashem. Va'ira l'Avraham el Yitzchak v'el Yaakov b'kel Shakai, Hashem says, I appear to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov through the term Shakai, through the term Kel. Ushmi Hashem, the name Yudke Vavke, presumably a more essential, more inherent definition of Hashem, Ushmi Hashem lonodati lahem. I did not appear, I did not interact through the media, through the medium of this name. Now to be sure, there are several questions raised by the commentators, by the Mefarshim, because indeed we do find that Hashem presented himself to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov through the term Yudke Vavke or the equivalent. So there are questions to be raised with this Pasuk, but presumably the name Yudke Vavke did not dominate or characterize the relationship of the Avos with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it did with Moshe and as it would with Moshe. Hashem presents Himself to Moshe with greater clarity, greater immediacy, greater intimacy. And the question is why? What did Moshe accomplish to this stage, to this point, that would warrant such proximity and such an unmediated encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, one which evidently, in some way, surpassed the encounter of the Avos. The ensuing Psukim describe the sanction of this uh, revelation. V'gam ha-kimosi es brisi itam l'aseis lahem es eretz kinan es eretz megurahem asher garuba v'gam ha-nishamati es na'akas b'nei Yisrael asher mitzvayim avidim osam v'eraskar es brisi l'chein emor l'vnei Yisrael ani Hashem v'hatseisi eschem mitachas evlos mitzvayim 
Vitsalti Aschem Mevorasam, Vigalti, Vilakarti, Vevesi, the famous languages of redemption. Avam Yitzchak and Yaakov, for all of their accomplishments, for all of their exploits, for all of their spiritual and religious achievements, they were the heads of clans, of families, of tribes, of, of, of sects. Am Yisrael and Mitzrayim morphs into a nation. Moshe is the first melech, the first leader of a nation. And his responsibilities to nation, to community, are going to far surpass any type of selfless commitment which Avon Yitzchak and Yaakov may have shown, may have displayed to their family. They simply didn't have the responsibilities and burdens of leading a nation. And because Moshe will, throughout his career, demonstrate selfless, almost self-annihilating dedication and devotion to this nation, he achieves a higher, a more surpassing level of encounter with HaKadosh Baruch And at this moment in Moshe's career, the following truism, the following correspondence is born, and it's a truism which laces Moshe's personal career, and it serves, of course, as the model for any Jewish leader. A person's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in direct proportion to the degree of commitment to Hamisro. And as that commitment and that selflessness surges, the relationship surges equivalently. You may have thought that overexposure to an entire nation, to its needs, many different layers and colorations of people, some more pious, some more sinful, perhaps from a moral and historical standpoint, it's heroic. But it may viscerate or pollute the sanctity and purity necessary to preserve a close and abiding relationship with HaKadosh Baruch or it may be a worthwhile forfeiture to serve nation at the expense of compromising your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch But HaKadosh Baruch instructs Moshe that the more selfless, the more committed he is to this people, the more tolerant and accepting of their failures, the more he will see of HaKadosh Baruch And it's one thing to face this prospect before Jewish history is launched or before failure sets in. This is a very, very glowing and uh, promising offer. But throughout Moshe's career, we witness that the more he excels at this commitment to the nation and its needs and his defense of this nation when they fail, the closer his relationship to HaKadosh Baruch And during those times when he fails, even slightly, even in a subtle fashion, which for most of us would not constitute failure, but for Moshe it does constitute imperfection, the consequences are severe. And Moshe is punished, or at least inhibited, from achieving a higher and deeper level of, in, of exposure to HaKadosh Baruch Parshas Yisro contains Matan Torah. Matan Torah is a dual experience. It's meant, of course, primarily to enable an interaction, a direct interaction between the Jewish nation and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a claim which no other religion stakes that an entire nation stood shoulder to shoulder, three million strong, and experienced the direct, unmediated word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the delivery of his Torah, the general experience of epiphany. But it's also the highlight of Moshe's career, and not just Moshe as a person, but Moshe as the start of rabbinic authority. HaKadosh Baruch Hu instructs Moshe, I will appear to you in a cloud of glory, a cloud which is too terrifying for most of the population to approach. 
Bavur Yishmaham Medabriimach, so that they witnessed us speaking freely and unfettered. Vigam Mechayamin Ol Leolam, so that they should, they should trust you and rely on you forever. And the term Leolam, of course, begins to allude to not just Moshe's life and the trust which he would enjoy throughout his lifetime, but the experience or the, the tradition which Moshe serves as an icon for, rabbinic ability, rabbinic authority to interpret, to decree, and to legislate. So it's really a spotlight of Moshe, not just an encounter between Amisel and Akadosh Baruch And there are various um, there are various moments in Parshas Yisro where these different aims perhaps clash. And as we're not discussing Parshas Yisro directly, I'll leave this for another time. But Parshas Yisro and, and Matan Tara in Parshas Yisro is preceded by a very very um, perplexing story: Yisro's arrival, returning. Moshe's wife and children to Moshe, offering him advice, forming the first judicial network, judges and, and uh, secondary judges, etc. And so only the placement of this little anecdote almost, this little episode of Yisrael's visit prior to Matantara serves uh, in a very interesting fashion as an anticlimax. It's not an anticlimax, it's a pre-anticlimax. It sort of dampens some of the drama and some of the um, expectations of Matantara wouldn't have been more dramatic to begin Parshas Yisra with Matantara. There are many suggestions and, and perhaps many reasons why this story was included. But one image or, or one scene of this story certainly stands out as an appropriate prologue to Matantara. Yisra visits Moshe, returns his wife and children. The views Moshe Moshe he witnesses Moshe literally attending to whatever needs this nascent people were facing spiritual needs, intellectual needs, questions, Torah questions, personal questions, guidance. From early morning till evening. Moshe didn't allow his celebrity, his newfound celebrity status, right after Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, to distance him from the people. To, um, it didn't let it get to its head. Very interesting discussion. I mentioned before that Moshe had the status of a melech. Very often people will assume that the first Jewish melech was David or Shaul. Chazal say that Moshe had the status of a melech. Vahibishur and melech, according to some positions, refers to Moshe Rabbeinu. Vahibishur and melech, Bisasif Rashayam, is a reference to Moshe Rabbeinu, even though he didn't perform the three classic tasks of a king to conquer Israel, to build a base Hamikdash, or to. Uh, campaign militarily against Amalek, he performed the fourth, lesser known, but equally or even more important task of Amalek, is to teach Torah. Melech, every Jew has a responsibility to write one Sefer Torah, because of a kiss for Lechemes Hashir, as else. Melech has a responsibility as a mitzvah to write a second Sefer Torah. And not only to write a second Sefer Torah, but to keep that Torah on his presence, wherever he goes. Regular Jew has a responsibility to write a Sefer Torah, but he can leave it in a in our own and at home. The second Sefer Torah, which Amalek writes, in addition to the standard Sefer Torah, has to accompany him, because wherever he goes, he has to deliver a shir. So Moshe was the greatest Torah teacher in the history of Judaism. So of course he had the status of a Melech. So when the Rambam describes the responsibilities of a Melech, in Ochos Melachim, Perak Beis, Allah he writes, he prefaces by saying that just like the Torah obligates the citizens to show respect to the king. Similarly, Kach Tzivo, the Torah commands the Melech, Leos Libo, Bekirbo, Shafel, Vechalal, 
to be modest and unassuming. Lo gasu slave be Yisrael yeser midai. You shouldn't act haughty or condescending. Viyechonein imarachem lektanim bigdolim. You should have mercy and compassion for both important people as well as average people. Viyetsev viyavul bechetsemu v'tovasam. He should engage in their day-to-day affairs and in their benefit. Viyachos alkvod katan shebektanim, and he should attend even to the respect. Assumingly, the most insignificant citizen, he should speak to them in a soft voice, conduct himself with excess humility. And the Rambam describes Moshe Rabbeinu as the exemplar of a Jewish king. No one was greater than Moshe. And yet he spoke quietly and softly and sensitively. He shouldered their burdens, their day to day needs, their day to day affairs. As a uh, mother carries a child, nurses a child. And uh, Moshe's commitment to the day-to-day needs of the people, the average needs of the people, is on stunning display in the beginning of Pasha's Yisrael. Seemingly reminiscent, not reminiscent, but it evokes uh, the parallel of Shlomo, Ozbo, Shtei Nashim Zonos, Shlomo, where even the Zonos, even the citizens who live on the fringe of Jewish society, feel comfortable entering the palace and raising their... Um, uh, their, their issues, their disputes, directly to the king, directly to Melech Shlomo. Judaism does not, um, does not advocate bureaucracies and, uh, and um, extensive, extensive protocol in order to access the services of a king. And of course, Yisrael offers Moshe and Parshas Yisrael certain well-placed advice, Navolti Bol, he's afraid that Moshe will crash, that Moshe will collapse under the weight, shouldering this weight Individually, and Moshe seats to Yisrael's wishes. But this is, in this image, is part of the reason that the story of Yisrael's arrival precedes Matan Torah. We cannot and mustn't see Moshe atop of Har Sinai, basking in the spotlight of Har Sinai, receiving the word of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and delivering it to Am Yisrael. We cannot witness this until we first witness him selflessly dedicated to the needs and the daily responsibilities and duties of an entire nation because it would be inconsistent, incompatible. This is really the first moment in which the model which HaKadosh Baruch Hu constructed in Parshas Vayera begins to be implemented, where Moshe's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu surges or, or intensifies to the degree that his commitment and sacrifice to the needs of the entire nation equally evolves. Even more... Um, Corroborating of this correspondence between personal commitment to defending Am Yisrael, to serving their needs, and certainly to defending them even in moments of failure or weakness. This is on display in Parshas Kitisa. Parshas Kitisa, in many respects, highlights a level of Moshe's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which even surpasses the first Mammon Har Sinai, the first delivery of the Torah. I mentioned before that Parshas Yisrael provides a, a healthy tension, a balancing between a collective exposure and a personal delivery through Moshe. In Parshas Kitisa, Moshe stands on Har Sinai alone. There is no collective matantara. It is delivered solely through Moshe Rabbeinu. This is understandable after the Chet of the Ego. The collective nation had tainted 
their, uh, their, in, their innate purity, and they were no longer suitable to experience Harsinai in a direct fashion. Moshe, of course, lodges some very brazen requests of HaKadosh Baruch and Hashem responds in a way which if the psukim hadn't described them we couldn't articulate these psukim we couldn't assert them because they're so theologically formidable Hashem says I will pass my entire glory in front of you you will see my back phrases which to us are very uh, strident we never have the audacity to describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu in visual terms. Hashem, Hashem, Kilrachum Rachum and Moshe, of course, is exposed to the Yud Gilamidas of Hashem, the Yud Gilamidas of Rachamim. But before any of this takes place, before any of this occurs, Moshe displays that type of commitment and selflessness to the fate of the Jewish people, and specifically during the times of crisis. Vayashev Moshe Hashem, Vayomer, Hashem, of course, had offered Moshe to destroy Am Yisrael and, and rebuild a nation around Moshe. Heref Mimeni V'yashmid, Hashem had told him in Paraglam and Beis. Allow me to destroy the Vesas, Chalagal and I will form a nation with you as its founder. Moshe responds in Shemal's Paraglam and Beis, Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Vayashev Moshe Hashem Vayomer, Ana Chatam Hazeh Chata Gedola, Vayasulam Elohei Zahav. Indeed, Moshe acknowledges their grievous sin. Ve'ata, now that it has been committed, in tisachatasam, if you waive, if you forgive their chait, we can continue. Ve'imayin, but if you don't, mecheninam misifracha asher kasafta. Eliminate me from Torah, from history. Moshe faces a seemingly undeniable offer. How could you uh, refuse Hashem's offer to form a nation? around you Moshe refuses Moshe hitches his fate to the fate of this nation his love is so overwhelming his commitment to this nation and its history is so deep that he's even willing to imperil his own future and because of that statement and that heroism shortly thereafter he's privileged he benefits from this higher Exposure, this upgrading of his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a level which surpasses even the experiences of Parshas Yisro of the first Matantar. Moshe's career characterizes this ideal of Abbas Am Yisrael, of commitment to Am Yisrael and their needs, and not just as a religious element, but as a religious feature which directly influences the degree of a person's relationship with the Rabbani Shalom. It's not parallel to the relationship, but it feeds the relationship. Commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's people, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children, to our brothers, creates a level of, of love, of, of interaction. It's like a father appreciates a child more if that child shows love and respect to fellow siblings. That's an affirmation and an intensification of love for father. Part of a love for a sibling is a recognition and a loyalty to a parent. So Moshe Rabbeinu's love for other Jews and commitment in defense of other Jews was not just a favor to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for which greater, greater relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu was some sort of recompense. 
but it was a direct affirmation, direct deepening of his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And sadly, when Moshe's commitment to Am Yisrael wavers even slightly, even marginally, he's severely punished. Pasha Schukas highlights the, the sin of Moshe Rabbeinu, the one slight imperfection in Moshe's career. And for some reason, Moshe is punished. And the Mepharshim is a very, very famous Ramban in Pashas Chukas, cites Rashi's opinion, the Ebenezer's opinion, the Rabbeinu Hananel's opinion, the Rambam's opinion. What sin, ultimately, was responsible for Moshe's punishment? But the Medrash, Medrash Rabbah Bamidbar, Parshat Tzadik has a slightly different view. It's somewhat similar to the view of the Rambam in Shemona Prakim, a little bit different. Because they uttered the phrase Shimu Nahamorim because they spoke the inexcusable, they referred to Am Yisrael as a nation of rebels, Shimu Nahamorim. It was inconceivable that Moshe Rabbeinu, with all of his love, with all of his commitment, with all of his sacrifice, with all of his tolerance, he reaches the point that he refers to them as rebels, as mutinous, uh, uncontrollable thugs, uh, whatever the term Marim connotes. And this is no longer a leader who's suited to lead them into Eretz Yisrael. It's not so much a punishment as much as a consequence, because... The leadership obviously has to be replaced. And it's tragic, because a lifetime of commitment can be subverted by a moment of indiscretion or, or intolerance. But that's the degree of love that a Kaddish Baruch Hu expects that a person should show to fellow Jews, and specifically fellow Jews who aren't as religious, who aren't as committed, who experience... Um, rebellion or mutiny against religion against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. very similar theme to Malachim Perak Yutas Malachim Aleph Eliyahu Hanavi lives a lifetime of vigilance of Kanos stands resolute in the face of religious betrayal religious wandering religious questioning his day the very popular and seductive Avodah Zarah of Baal attracted much of the Jewish population, many of the great minds and prophets. And Eliyahu expresses a conviction and commitment, and he finally drags these heathen prophets, these disloyal prophets, up to the mountain for a showdown. A showdown which should be black and white, which should be um, seemingly um, indisputable. His carpenter, Kodesh Baruch Hu, is quickly, quickly consumed while their sacrifices to pagan deities after hours and hours of supplication and ceremony are left unnoticed. But of course, what in hindsight seems un- so unmistakable and undeniable to the contemporary mind was still confusing. And these prophets continue to hover, to be posech al sheifim, to worship Hashem as well as to express their loyalty to pagan deities. And Eliyahu is so frustrated that he 
expresses his rage. Vayomer kanoki nesi l'ashem elokei tzavakos. Malachim Aleph, Perak Yutes. Ibn Akanoi, ki azvu brischa b'nei Yisrael, they have abandoned the covenant, as mismechosecha harasu, they've dismantled your altars, as neviyecha hargu becharev. And immediately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu orders him up the mountain. Vayomer tzevi amanita bahar l'fnei Hashem. Hashem approaches him, Eliyar repeats his his claim. Vayomer kano kinesi l'Hashem pasuk Yudalad repeats his kanos again, and in pasuk Tesvav Hashem responds to him in a manner that's eerily similar to the response which Moshe received after hitting the rock, after articulating or accusing the Jewish people as rebels. Vayomer Hashem elav lech shuv ledarkecha midbara damesek. Immediately Hashem mentions to Eliyahu that he will be replaced. Hashem does not desire the kanos of Eliyahu, the accusational tone of Eliyahu from a leader. Hashem is well aware of the faults of um, unobservant or uncommitted Jews and he desires in his leadership and in his leaders defenders people who love unconditionally who support unconditionally not those who indict and accuse and just as Moshe is replaced by Yoshua or the terms of the replacement evolve immediately after the Chet of Memeriva similarly Elio was replaced after repeating this very, very harsh terminology of and again, it doesn't have to be seen as much as a punishment, rather a consequence. Leo's leadership is expired if he can speak in the harsh terms which he utters. And by contrast, leadership is anointed, leadership is launched when a Kodesh Baruch Hu detects in that potential leader a lover, an unconditional defender of Am Parsha Shoftim begins, Shoftim v'shotim titen l'cha b'chol shirecha, about judging people in a national and litigational setting. V'shavtu esa'am mishpat tzedek, the conclusion of the beginning of Shoftim, Devarim parak tezayin, pasak yitches, describes the responsibility of a jurist, of a judge, to try to achieve the authentic and accurate verdict. But Chazal interpret the phrase "v'shavtu esa'am mishpat sedek," similar to the phrase in Kedoshim "b'sedek tishbar amisacha," as referring to interaction with other Jews in a non-legal setting, giving people the benefit of the doubt. The very famous Rashi, Pashas Kedoshim, "Danis kaladim lekapsechus," allowing people the benefit of the doubt. But that Rashi describes affording the benefit of the doubt on a personal level. The Menish Tanchuma in Parsha Shoftim describes how we judge not just our fellow Jew, but our nation and our people and large groups of Jews. To defend, to love, to highlight the positive qualities rather than indict and accuse. And the Medrash holds up the following example as a model for a defender of Jewish integrity rather than an accuser and a prosecutor of fellow Jews. 
the Medrash says, Gidon ben Yawash. Gidon ben Yawash lived in one of the most um, unsuccessful, one of the most pathetic periods in Jewish history. Period of the Shoftim. Period of cynicism, of internecine struggle, two steps forward, one step back. Gidon ben Yawash, the Medrash says, Shebeyam of HaYisrael Batsara. Constantly paying tribute, constantly enslaved, uh, losing their sovereignty to all sorts of foreign powers. And Hashem was searching for one person to speak favorably, to highlight their potential, their qualities, their history, rather than harp upon their negatives. And Hashem couldn't find one single mind, one single personality who would highlight Am Yisrael's traits. Because this was an irreligious nation. A nation which suffered religiously. And those who were successful at their religion, instead of defending, instead of repairing, instead of loving, all they could do is crit- critique and criticize. Finally, Hashem identified Gidon. And the Medrash in Parsha Shoftim, the Medrash Tanhuma, cites Sefer Shoftim, Perak Vav, in which Gidon prays on behalf of the Jewish people, reminds HaKadosh Baruch Hu of the covenant, and immediately in Perak Vav, Pasak Yudbeis, Vayera Lov Malach Hashem, God is with you. And in Pasuk Yudalet, Vayifin Elav Hashem, Vayomer, Lech, Bechochacha Zeh, Vahoshata Es Yisrael. Lech, Bechochacha Zeh. The Medrash in Tanchum Shoftim Per Simon Dalet tells us that Lech, Bechochacha Zeh means that Hashem referred to Gidon's defending, expressing the love and commitment to Jewish history, the Jewish nations, the Jewish people. So this will be your strength, this will be your shield, this will be your source of power and authority. I finally located one person who's willing to defend rather than to indict. The biblical equivalent of Levi Yitzchak Mibarduchev is constantly defending the Jewish people rather than highlighting and harping upon their negatives. And this is something which was launched in the career of Moshe as Moshe commits himself more and more to the needs of this people, his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu evolves, and as he expresses harsh words, the relationship suffers, and Moshe's leadership, so to speak, concludes. A very famous Gemara in Brachos, Dafnun Zayin Amad Aleph. The Gemara says that if someone witnesses himself saying Kriyashma in a dream, HaKare Kriyashma, Roi Shetishra Lav he deserves the Shechina. Ella, she'ein dara roi lekach. Ra'in dara zakai lekach, the Gemara's Lashen is. But his nation, his, his, his contemporary society, his generation, doesn't merit it. One way to read the Gemara, of course, is that this person, on an individual level, has reached equality of, of his Avodah Hashem, which warrants the bestowal of Shechina, but unfortunately he's hindered by living in a generation of heretics and of disbelievers. I believe, of course, the more accurate way to read this Gemara is that if you see yourself saying Kriya Shema 
then perhaps from a certain vantage point you may deserve revelation, nevuah, ruach hakodesh, shechina. But if you haven't managed to influence or impact your society, if you're in no way concerned with the collective level of religion, then your own frumkite and your own kriyashma is flawed, is deficient. After all, kriyashma is not a personal affirmation or pledge of allegiance. We accept that Kodesh Baruch Hu's unity and our love and our belief in Hashem by espousing it to others, by proclaiming it to others, by reciting Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, in national, collective terms. So even psychologically, if a person says Kriyashema in a dream, it reflects a yearning to somehow impact and influence an orbit of a Jewish nation far beyond his own personal, high-caliber religious experience, but limited religious experience by his inability to inspire, to affect, to instruct others, to be part of their collective Avodah Hashem. You have been listening to Rav Moshe Taragin, The Essentials of Avodat Hashem. The daily Midrash, I continue from the Midrash that we read yesterday. Yesterday's Midrash was on the Pasuk, Yifkod Hashem Elokei HaRuchot. The understanding that each and every individual is in fact individual and different, and therefore God is Elokei HaRuchot. He is the one who understands every individual person, but Moshe Rabbeinu was asking that the next leader, the one who will succeed him, Ish al the one who will be the leader of the people, should be have that ability, to the extent that human being can have it, to understand, to carry, to suffer, to get into the shoes of each and every person. The Midrash then continues on what should have been an examination and exemplification of the same principle, and yet sounds very different. This is a standard phrase in Midrash, which means, I just told you a principle, but now I'll give you a a story, a parable, which will exemplify it. Not so clear how this parable exemplifies it, but it makes a very important point in any event. A melech. There was a king who married a woman. Vahayalo shushbin. Shushbin, in, in, in weddings, the shushbin is the best man, but it's someone who's more than that. He's, he's the friend who, who follows along, who, who accompanies the wedding, the young couple. Whenever the king would get angry at his wife, which happens, the Shushbin used to make peace, he would make shalom between them. He would he would calm the king down, and the king would, in fact, uh, uh, come back and have a meeting of the minds with his wife. And then the Shushbin was dying. So he said to the king, Please, I beg of you, pay more attention to your wife. Have your mind come closer to her mind. Put your mind about your wife, meaning understand her better. The king then said, It's not easy to give this kind of advice to a king. If you command me about my wife, you give me instructions concerning my wife, instruct my wife about me that she should be more respectful of my honor. Remember, we're dealing with a king. I think the parable is a little bit hard for us to understand because we don't usually have a situation of a woman married to a king and therefore our relationship between man and woman would be different. But here, the initial is going to be God and Amisos. Even though Amisos is called the wife of God, but nonetheless, God is the king 
and Amisal are the subjects. Kaviyachol, we now explain the nimshal, the meaning of the parable. This is what God said. You come to command me about them, as is written, Yifkot Hashem, Elokeh Ruchot, you tell me that I should understand them. This is the continuation of the previous Medrash. That he wasn't just telling God to appoint a leader, but appoint a leader from within your special understanding of each individual. In other words, the Medrash's understanding, the Moshe Rabbeinu is also pushing God to be more understanding by calling him Elokeh Ruchot. You can understand, therefore you should understand. And that I think is the point being made by this unusual and special Midrash. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling God to be more understanding, but God answers, they should be more careful of my honor. My dechtiv, tzabit b'nei yisrael kobani lachmi. The very following pasha, after the command, the bequest, to appoint a new leader, is pashat ha-kobanot. And of course it's terribly out of place. Pashat ha-kobanot we expected in Vayikra. And if it's found someplace in Bamidbar, but how is it connected to the request to appoint a leader? And God answers, not by appointing a leader, but by giving them kobanot. So the Midrash says it's a dialogue. God, Moshe is not only asking for a new leader, his successor, but he's asking God, as is Moshe Rabbeinu's traditional role, to be the intermediary between the Jews and God. But now he knows he's dying. So he says, appoint another leader, but, but the leader won't be as good as me. So understand them better. Come close to them and, and, and be mitpayes. Come close to them. So that even before the anger can take place, it is though I have helped you get over it. And God says, have them be more respectful of my honor by bringing korbanot. Why a korbanot is korbanot? All Mephashim explain. Korbanot are the pious. You don't need Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the Jews themselves. Despite what they have done, despite any anger they might have caused, and there's friction in this marriage between God and man. But at the same time, together with the friction, there's the Shushbin. And what's the Shushbin? Not Moshe Rabbeinu, but the korbanot, the service of God. Avodat Hashem. The daily Avodat Hashem, the Reich Nichach, that rises, the smoke rises before God, and we serve God in our hearts and our actions. And in our words, even as we are not perfect, and our relationship has its little, little frictional points, but nonetheless, the Pius exists, and therefore, a leader can be appointed much, much later on. But he won't have to bear the terrible burden of Sheva Rabbeinu bore for 40 years and is apparently so frustrated by his inability to ever fully and, and the burden that's upon him. So God gives B'nai Yisrael the mitzvah of Korbanot, of Avodat Hashem, of serving of God. And that produces a permanent relationship in which the fiction, the shalom, the pius, the fights, the arguments can all exist and maintain themselves Ad biyat ha-Mashiach ha-Goel b'mheri yameinu. Amen. You've been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast from Yeshivat HaRetzion. And this is Ezra Beck wishing you call tov. Tomorrow's shiur will be in Mesechet Brachot HaVachah B'Magadah. I will be giving the shiur. And until then, Kvaitim LaTorah. Have steady and permanent and regular Torah study. Spread KMTT and other means of Torah study among your friends and acquaintances. And we'll be back tomorrow with KMTT. Ki mitzion teitzei Torah u'devar Hashem mi Yerushalayim.